Well, good morning, everybody, and it's so good to be with you today. And I pray the Lord will really bless you as we talk about a very unusual man, a very unusual story. Uh, the, the man is Jonah, and the story is about anger, depression, loneliness, isolation, bitterness, unforgiveness, even suicide. Uh, Jonah really uh, succumbed to all of these things, as we'll see in this story. And yet, at the same time, Jonah was a prophet, a prophet of God whose book, it's only four chapters long, but that book is in the Bible and it's been read for centuries. And so, obviously, he's a very important man. He was, in fact, a prophet. He heard from God and spoke the words of God to the people. He lived around, or the story was written about 800 B.C., and so that would be when he was living. And uh, he's known as one of the minor prophets. There's a list of them here for you to look at. The minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Now, they're referred to as minor, not because their message is of less importance, but simply because of the length of their books. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, who also wrote Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And they're considered major simply because their books are, are longer. Now, Jesus, when he lived on earth, he mentioned four of the prophets in his teachings. He spoke of Isaiah, Daniel, Zechariah, and Jonah. And when it came to Jonah, Jesus compared the three days that Jonah spent in the belly of a big fish to his own death and resurrection. So Jesus really talked about, about this man and talked about him in, in, with great importance, likening his own life to Jonah's. But when we look at what Jonah said about his life, and he said this towards the end of, uh, of his book, in Jonah chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says, Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? So here's this man <laughs> that even Jesus refers to and likens his own life to, uh, coming to a place in his life where he's in, in such great despair, he just wants to die. And, and as we look at his story, there's so much anger there. And that's why God says, is it right for you to be angry? Well, what was he angry about? How could so, a person be so overcome with anger that he would want to, to die? And so the root cause was anger, and, it, and Jonah wanted to talk about dying. God, please kill me. Uh, God wanted to talk about his anger. And later in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, just a few verses later, it says that Jonah grew faint, and he wanted to die. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. So he keeps repeating this, uh, this request, this desire, and he's talking to God, and he's saying, I, I want to die. But God said to jo Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So what had happened, Jonah was sitting on the side of the hill lamenting over um, the, the thing he hated to see, which we'll talk about later, and uh, it was actually a very good thing, but Jonah didn't think it was good. And he was sitting there on the side of the hill in the scorching sun and the dry wind, and God created this little tree to cover him, to protect him, to give him a, a temporary protection in the, uh, given the state that he was in. But then God didn't want to leave jo Jonah there, so he, he caused the tree to die. And 
And uh, uh, God said, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So, so Jonah got real angry about this plant. And, and somewhat so, he says, I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. Well, um, that's a sad state of affairs to be in. And there's root cause always to anger, depression, or to some of the things we go through. Right now, in these days of pandemic, there are a lot of, um, just a lot of trouble that we're in. And we all experience it in a different way. Uh, some are isolated simply because of the virus and, and, and need to stay home or need to stay secluded because they're, they've got underlying health conditions and they're susceptible or they're older and they're just a little more concerned about what would, ha what would happen to them if they got COVID-19. So all of these things are taking place in our world. People are losing jobs. There's economic downturns. There's so many factors. Uh, in some places, schools are closed, and all of these are having a profound effect on people. Well, what, was, what were the things that caused Jonah uh, to want to die, to be so angry? Well, we need to go back to the book of Second Kings and look at chapter 14. And it says, in the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah. Now, Judah was a kingdom uh, that had separated from Israel. So now you have these two kingdoms. It happened after Solomon. Solomon had committed sin, and uh, there was just some very unfair rules that uh, were brought against the nation of uh, the, the, the tribes of Israel, uh, many of them. And so they broke off and they made their own country. And so you had Judah, which was the original, and then Israel. So in the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria. And he reigned 41 years. And he did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. So we have two kingdoms, uh, Judah in uh, the south and Israel in the north. Now in Judah, there was the temple. There was the holy city, Jerusalem. And so now the rest of the 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 tribes, if you will, or the house of Israel, um, known now as Israel, they lived in the north, so they were separate, or separated from the temple, from Jerusalem, from the holy city, and from the worship that God had ordained. Now, Jeroboam one, uh, the first one that is referred to here, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, uh, he... Um, created a false religion. They couldn't be in Jerusalem. So they started, um, he started what was known as a golden calf cult. So it was a, a system of idolatry. And he said, this golden calf, these golden calves, they represent Jehovah, the true God, the God of Israel. And they, and the reason he did this is, was because he didn't want the people going back down to the south where Judah was and joining up with them again in order to be able to worship in the temple. So he created a false religion. Now, a hundred years later, thereabouts, 
a new Jeroboam comes on and he's, uh, it comes to light. He becomes the king of the north. And uh, it says that he, did, uh, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. So he, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not turn away from any of the sins of the first Jeroboam. And that's the Jeroboam that uh, Jonah is connected with. In fact, Jonah was a prophet in the king's palace. He lived where the king lived this evil king that caused Israel to sin. And, and that's where Jonah lived. And God used him in this place. It's amazing. It says in verse 25 that this Jeroboam was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebohamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittiah, the prophet from gath Hefer. So... Jonah heard from God. Jonah is this man of God. He's a prophet. And and he hears from God. And God says to him, tell Jeroboam, this evil king that caused Israel to sin, that picked up on the sins of uh, his predecessor who lived about 100 years earlier. Uh, Jonah prophesied to him, said, if you do this and if you do that, God is going to restore to you some of the lands that have been lost. And you will do just, you'll just do fine. The nation will prosper. And it did. It, pro- it prospered economically under Jeroboam II, not spiritually, but economically. And it all happened because Jonah the prophet heard from God, told Jeroboam what to do, and he did it, and he prospered. Well, um, the success of Jeroboam was directly related to the prophecies of Jonah. And uh, uh, that's really who Jonah was. In 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 26, it says, The Lord had seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering. There was no one to help them. Now, in spite of this economic prosperity and this advancement, of the kingdom, there was a lot of bitterness. There was a lot of of terrible abuse that was happening to them. Um, the words "bitter" and "suffering" they are, these are poignant descriptions of the cruel and barbaric treatment that the Assyrians were perpetrating on Israel and had for generations. And the main city of the Assyrians was Nineveh. It was the capital city. So. Jonah would have seen the the pillaging. They would come in and they would sometimes come in at the times of, of the harvest of the crops and they would steal the crops. They no doubt were involved in rape and murder and just all kinds of atrocities. And, and this pain and suffering of God's people, the nation of Israel, went deep into jo- Jonah's heart. And he saw this. And he... Um, he just was grieving bitterly over it. And it caused him to be, it was the really the root of his anger. In verses 27 to 28, it says, uh, And since the Lord had, had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, he saved them by the hand of uh, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash. So he, 
he, sa- he saved them. And as for the other events of Jeroboam's reign, all he did in his military achievements, including how he recovered for Israel both Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the annals of the kings of Israel? So Jeroboam had done a lot of things, a lot of good things, military exploits and restoring lands, as I, I, I said. But in the meantime, though these things were happening, the history had been uh, the abuse that the people of Israel experienced at the hand of Assyrians. And also for Jonah, it would have been the painful loss of the worship of Israel at the temple of God in Jerusalem. So there were these things that caused in, in Jonah's life, they, they, they were huge losses. So there were these atrocities on the one hand. There were the, the, the Assyrians coming and plundering and killing and doing all the things they did for, for so many years. And then there was Jeroboam himself, this wicked king who, who followed in the wickedness of his pre- predecessors and had caused Israel to sin, the golden calf cult and all of that. And that's where Jonah grew up. He grew up in that palace. And so the losses that he experienced were great. They were really great. But it says in that 27th verse that since the Lord had not said that he would not blot out the name of Israel, uh, Jonah had a purpose. He, he was, uh, he, God said, I'm not going to blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. And Jonah, you're the way, you're the means, you're the person I'm going to use to bless Israel in spite of their sin. So here, the nation of Israel receives a message of love and grace. Did they deserve to have, (laughs) to be wiped out? They'd been so disobedient to God. Well, arguably they, they did. But that's not the heart of God. It never is. It doesn't matter how far we go from God or how far we stray, uh, stray from him, how many false ideas and religions we embrace or notions that we accept as truth, and uh, yet knowing that the things that we're doing are really not right, and, and, and all of the things that we have, people have in their lives that they regret. Well, some think, well, God should just kill me, just blot my name out of, out of existence or send me to hell or something because I've been so terrible. But God's purpose is always love and grace. It's always to restore. It's always to forgive and to create something that is good, even though it might never have actually been that good in the past. So we see that Israel needed Jonah. You might say the church needed a prophet, if you want to put it in the in the uh, in a contemporary setting, uh, because sometimes things in the church aren't so good. Um, there's ideas, there's notions, there's practices that can filter in that really are contrary to the worship of God, the worship of following Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord, and to become His true disciple. There's lots of stuff that goes on that shouldn't go on. And so there's a calling. Some people say, well, I'm just going to give up. Jonah could have done that. He said, I'm not prophesying anymore. I'm not going to help. I'm not going to help Jeroboam because he's such a wicked guy. Uh, I I just wish that his military uh, efforts would fail. 
But Jonah didn't take that place because God had called him to speak to his generation. He calls us to speak to our generation too. You're part of the solution if you want to be. And God wants you to be. He wants all of us to be. Now, the other, on the other side of it in Jonah's life, God calls him to go to the Assyrians, these people who had plundered and killed and raped and did all of those things, uh, and to preach to them. And that's what really caused Jonah to be upset. He didn't want to go there. He hated them. He had this anger towards this, towards them, this deep-rooted anger. And how, how could he possibly ever uh, go to them and preach to them the love of God? And that, that's really the, the story of his struggle. Well... One of the things that Jonah experienced was powerlessness, and that's what causes anger. It's really the root of anger. Uh, he was powerless in Israel. He was powerless to do anything about the, Assyri the Assyrians. They were coming in and plundering and doing all the things they did, and he was powerless to stop Jeroboam from committing all of the sins that he was committing and teaching the people of Israel to worship this golden calf or this this to be a part of this golden calf cult as it was known and, and, and so he saw all these things happen and yet couldn't do anything about it he heard from God he had a powerful relationship with God but he was helpless about the things that were going on around about him now that's the root of all of the, so much of what takes place in our lives when we're powerless to do anything about what happens to us or what is currently happening to us, um, either past, present, or a fear of the future. Uh, in this world we live in, there are many things that we do not control. And those things can bring about great, great distress, great senses of loss, even to the point where you don't feel like living anymore. And that's, what, as, you, as we saw, is where Jonah was. Uh, in our world today, uh, people are, are sometimes raised in a home that is dysfunctional. Jonah was in the house of Jeroboam, and it was certainly dysfunctional. And Jonah was powerless to really do anything about the dysfunction that he was experiencing. And that kind of dysfunction can take place in many forms today, and it always has. For example, the sexual abuse of a child or a spouse. And if a person is a victim of sexual abuse, it's a terrible attack on their identity, their sense of self. Things get really lost. Instead of being affirmed and uh, their identity as a young man or a young woman being affirmed and blessed, it becomes so disjointed and, and, and lost and confused. Uh, sexual abuse is a terrible thing, and, and too, too many people today experience it. Physical abuse is another thing that can happen to a child growing up. It can happen to a spouse, uh, uh, a man who hits his wife um, or partner and just beats them up. A child who observes this and is helpless to do anything about it. Um, bullying, all of this kind of physical abuse that can take place. It can take place on a playground. It can take place just about anywhere. 
um, there's just a it's just a very terrible thing but it happens all the time and then of course there's emotional or psychological abuse um, that can come through shaming words through words of humiliation uh, yellingness it can uh, yelling uh, it can happen because somebody withholds love holding withholding love from a child or someone you love a, a spouse when you hold withhold love from a person that you should love um, it, it's a form of psychological abuse um, something is like just a contemptuous look a sneer um, name calling especially if swear words are used and some listening this morning might actually be living in environments like that or you have lived in those kinds of environments and of course today there is so much um, uh, abuse when it comes to alcohol and drugs and so uh, in a severe case where say a father is an alcoholic or a mother is a is an alcoholic uh, sometimes the children are forced to care for their parents and uh, the roles of the child become secondary what matters is attending to the various kind of, of issues that are created by addiction and that that type of of uh, it's a terrible thing but it happens of course you, I'm not telling you anything new we hear stories of this all the time and then a child whose parents divorce there's so many studies that have been written about about the effect on a child uh, whose mother and father divorces um, sometimes a, a child might say if I was a better girl or if I was a better boy daddy wouldn't have left and so they see themselves as being the fault the reason um, why there's been a separation between mom and dad and so in all of that uh, the child feels abandoned uh, their needs are not attended to they a lot of self-doubt again identity issues become come become so great now if you're experiencing any of this or if you know anyone who's experiencing this um, then this powerlessness, this sense of helplessness, things are happening, but I can't do anything about it. That was where Jonah was. That was the story of Jonah. And next week we'll talk about it more and we'll track uh, with him through his life experiences in the, in the four chapters of the book. And see just some of the, the choices that he made in, in, to escape all of what he was feeling and the anger that came about as a result. Racism is a terrible thing. And uh, we hear so much about it today. The Asian community is experiencing it uh, in, in a far greater way today than before. Um, the, whole, the whole matter of Black Lives Matter has, become, has come to the fore. And so, so many people who have been black, who are black and have been raised in Canada, right here in Pictou County, uh, in the United States or around the world uh, suffer um, humiliation uh, uh, are seen as secondary citizens all too often and so they become victims and a, and a person is powerless to do anything about it you can't change the color of your skin and if you're being uh, uh, ridiculed or abused or experiencing racial slurs from others because of that 
there's this sense of helplessness and anger, and it can, can come and it can be expressed towards those who are perpetrating the abuse. This is the world that we live in. And then there's our own sin, the things that we do wrong. And, and we get angry with ourselves and we say, why, why, why did I do this? Or, or maybe the person gets addicted, they get into a cycle of addiction and they're powerless to change. Or they feel powerless to change. All of this uh, goes into making up our world. It made up the world that Jonah lived in. It makes up our world today. Um, anger. Well, when it came to Jonah, uh, it was all the memories of the atrocities that was committed against him. Uh, those memories were real. If you could only get rid of the memories. Um, anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism towards somebody who's wronged you. And so the person who's wronged you, you they become your enemy, and there's these feelings of of antagonism towards that person. person. The idea of, I want to get even. Uh, sometimes we nurse our wounds. An angry person can become so excessive in their anger that, that it can hurt them physically and mentally. It can increase things like blood pressure, uh, other forms of physical harm and, and mental harm. Um, Jonah was depressed. You see him sitting under this tree, on the side of the hill and from the scripture that we read uh, from chapter 4 earlier. And he, and he was just sitting there depressed. Uh, there was no joy. Um, uh, the Mayo Clinic says depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. And so uh, there, there are clinical definitions such as this one about depression. It's a mood disorder. It's about being in a bad mood. <laughs> it's about swinging, have mood, having mood swings. It, it can be characterized with things such as aggressiveness or irritability or anxiousness or restlessness and a loss of sleep. Um, depression can be so severe that a person loses all interest in things that they once found uh, joyful and, and enjoyable. Um, they just don't, they just lose their interest in, in those things. They can become tired very easily. Um, thoughts of suicide can start to take a hold of a depressed person. Or things like excessive drinking or drug use or uh, engaging in other high-risk activities. Depression is where Jonah was. It's what he experienced because of the powerlessness to do anything about what was happening around him and what was happening to him. Um, Jonah experienced isolation and loneliness. He didn't want to be around people. Uh, he just, as you, as you track through the story, he's alone all the time. There's no, no one he's really talking to. Um, maybe the exception is when he's actually preaching to the Ninevites and maybe on the, on the ship where he talks to the sailors and says, throw me overboard. Again, another expression of wanting to die. But isolation and loneliness is, a, is really what God said in the beginning in Genesis, that it's not good for us to be alone. We need companionship. We need connection. And right now through this pandemic, that's something that uh, people are missing a great deal. They're, 
just a sense of connection. Even coming to church, you're not able to connect the same way that we used to be able to. We can't shake hands and get real close to people, social distancing and mask wearing. It's not the same. We're glad that we can get together, and that's so good, but still not quite the same. So there's a sense of isolation and loneliness that can be so pervasive in a person's life, such as it was in the life of Jonah. And then this big one called unforgiveness. Jonah had a real struggle with this. Um, he, when he saw God show mercy to the Assyrians, uh, Jonah, that, that, that's what took him out. That, that Jonah could not do what God did, and that was to forgive. And often that becomes the big burden for us to bear, uh, the hurts and disappointments in life cry out from within us. They're, they're great pains within our, in our hearts and cries out for justice and vengeance and getting even, even and wishing evil on the persons that hurt us. But forgiveness? Jesus taught forgiveness. And wow, that's a, that's a challenge. It sure is. And I won't get into it too much in this message, but there are some great things the Bible teaches us about forgiveness. Um, it's been proven over and over again, uh, clinically, not necessarily scripturally or from a Christian perspective, but by psychologists, psychiatrists, psychiatrists human behavioralists say that study the effects of unforgiveness versus forgiveness, and the person who's forgiving lives a much happier and joyful life and just things just are so much better for them health-wise, mental health-wise, and physical health-wise. So forgiveness is a challenge. But then suicide, it's the ultimate rejection of self. It's the giving up, the ultimate despair. And through this pandemic, there's been an increase in suicide. Uh, I've looked at statistics for for um, Canada, and there, there's not really a whole lot of clear statistics. Uh, there's some um, suggestion that that actually, with so many people being in the same despair, uh, some who would commit suicide don't because they feel that they're well. There's others that are experiencing the same thing, so there's a sense of not being so alone in those thoughts. But then there's other studies that show that um, it, it's a, it's, it, there is a terrible increase. Um, in the United States, and I, I, I couldn't find statistics in Canada that, that uh, showed this, but uh, um, simply because I don't know where they are available, if they are available, but in the United States, the Center of Disease Control Center of Disease Control and Prevention has, has done a study that shows a remarkable increase uh, among young adults. And these are people just 18 to 24, and you can see this on the chart. Back in 2018, uh, young adults who had this sense that uh, sometime in the past 30 days had, con had seriously considered suicide. So go back 30 days in 2018, and 10.7% of people ages 18 to 30, or 18 to 24, ha had seriously considered suicide. 
That's 10.7%. Uh, for all ages, it was 4.3%. Well, those are alarmingly high statistics that the person considered suicide, not tried it or attempted, but simply considered it. But in the middle of the pandemic, in August 2020, young adults who considered suicide in the last 30 days rose to 25.5%. That's a quarter of all young adults. So from 10%, 10.7% uh, to 25.5%, a remarkable increase uh, in young adults thinking about suicide, taking their lives, and thinking about that in the past 30 days. All ages, it increased from 4.3% to 11%. Uh, these are remarkable things, because these are, these are thoughts in the last 30 days the young person considered committing suicide. Now remember Jonah. Back in chapter 4, he said, Lord, take away my life. It, it's better for me to die than to live. So all of these life experiences for Jonah uh, caused him to feel, might as well give up. Might as well quit. There's no answer. There's no hope. I'm in this terrible quagmire of memories. And, and yes, great things happened. I prophesied in Israel and it produced great blessing. I prophesied in, in Nineveh to the Assyrians and some remarkable things happened. And, and there were these good things that I did, but underneath is, are these underlying despairs that grip my heart. And it doesn't matter how much good I'm able to do, it, it doesn't take away those feelings of desperation. I'd rather die than live. Uh, he said, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead, in verse 9 of Jonah chapter 4. I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. All the memories, whatever they might be, sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, um, victimized by drug addiction or alcoholism or racism, uh, all of these different things that can happen, losing a job because of, of the virus or being unfairly treated at work or being bypassed for a promotion simply because of some favoritism uh, towards some other person. All of these things are the daily occurrences of life and they can create anger and depression and isolation and loneliness and unforgiveness and yes, even suicide. Um, there's suicide in my family. And so we, my wife and I are, are familiar with the desperation, the the, the the terrible feelings that are left, the, the great sadness um, for those who survive, um, who are left alive after the person commits suicide. And, and, and that can create another sense, a whole sense of guilt. Well, I should have done more. There's, somehow I'm responsible. And, and all of these things become, can become very overwhelming. Well, uh, Next week, I'm going to talk more about Jonah and some of the things that he did. Um, we'll, we'll track through the book and we'll see the 
the feelings he had when he was in the belly of the fish and <laughs> all of these things, kind of things that uh, he expresses that are, are so vital to our own healing and wholeness and coming out of all of the despair that is in this world, the kind of despair that Jonah experienced. But I'm going to close with quoting four verses of, or, or four passages of Scripture, and I really pray that these will be a strength to you. Um, this was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 61, and Jesus quoted this in reference to himself. And so he's one of the prophets that Jesus quoted. And it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. So God is in control. He's the one who's uh, sovereign. It's not all the circumstances I'm experiencing. And so Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. He's equipped me, in other words, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Uh, there's the heart of God toward us, toward you this morning. A brokenhearted, like your life is all fragmented, Jesus comes to bring the pieces together and to bring you whole again, to bind up the brokenhearted. These are beautiful expressions of the love of God, of the love of Christ towards you, towards me today. He's, anoint, he's been anointed to proclaim good news. We can hear good news, good outlooks. Uh, you know, the vaccines are going to make things different, and thank God for that. But there is a, a news in, that exceeds the, any other kind of good news, and that's the good news of God's love, the good news of the gospel. That's what the word gospel means. To proclaim freedom from captives, uh, people who are bound by alcoholism or uh, mood swings or violence or just anything that is an addictive behavior. There is freedom found in Jesus. You can start a life of following Christ that's going to make a difference for you while you live this life here in, on uh, the terra firma on planet earth but more than that eternal life with him freedom for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our god this is the year uh, through christ it's the year of the lord's favor you can claim that yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's going wrong and god hasn't forgotten about that and there's judgment there is vengeance but he's here to proclaim for you the forgiveness of your sins and to proclaim that this, right now, 2021, for you and for me is the year of the Lord's favor. And he's here to comfort all who mourn. Well, to comfort all who mourn over the loss of loved ones through this pandemic and just the very various things that happen in life to provide for those who grieve in Zion, Zion meaning the place of God's presence, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Ashes is, a, is what happened, a sackcloth and ashes was deep mourning, deep sorrow, but instead of ashes um, to provide a crown of beauty or garlands of beauty is what some translations say, the oil of joy, uh, oil of joy is symbolic of the Holy Spirit instead of mourning. 
and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So if Jonah had really embraced this and God was trying to reach him with these words and he reach, tries to reach us with the same words. It makes all the difference in the world when we understand just the marvelous, marvelous steps that God has taken and is taking right now to reach us where we are in this time of despair, to reach you where you are in your despair. In Colossians 2, chapter, 5, or chapter 2, verse 15, it says, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were raged against us. So we're talking here about demonic forces, about forces that we can't control. And he's made a bold display and public example, public example of them in triumph, triumphing over them in him and in it, meaning the cross. So God has disarmed everything that comes against you. Anything the devil would try, life's experiences, he's triumphed over them through the cross, through his death, and through his resurrection. And he's here today to share that triumph with you. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the power, not this sense of powerlessness, where we can't control the things that happened, that happened to Jonah, but he, to, he gave the power to become, to change from where we are to what we could be, to become, and this is beautiful, the sons of God, even to them who believe in his name. So all we have to do is just simply believe, Jesus, you, you died on the cross for me, and you gave me the right, the power, the authority to say, Jesus, I own you as Savior and Lord, and I believe that I am your child. And that happens. You become a child of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you shall receive power, not powerlessness, but you'll receive power, not all of the things that you can't control, but you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit so you're able to overcome whatever is in this life. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That was that. This is the wonderful promise of the Holy Spirit in the church today, in your life and in my life. And that's what, that's what God was trying to say to Jonah. Jonah, I want you to be my witness. Here in Israel, where there's so much false religion and things, that the evil that Jeroboam the king is doing, and yes, you're in his palace. Yes, you're, you can't control the decisions in, that he makes, but you can control the decisions you make, and you can be my witness right here in Israel. And then whenever you go to the uttermost, the ends of the earth, which for him would have been Nineveh. I'll be with you. You will be my witness. Jonah didn't want to be his witness. He wanted to see vengeance. He wanted God to wreak havoc on them, to judge them, to kill them, to destroy them because of what they had done. But no, God said, you're here for a purpose, Jonah. You're not here to fight the world. You're here to help save the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can overcome, Jonah, you can be my witness in Israel. You can be my witness in Nineveh. You can be my witness wherever I call you. And he says the same thing to us. You can overcome the tragedies of your life. 
the wrongs that have committed been committed against you. You can overcome the terrible abuse you might have experienced or the abandonment. Maybe your spouse left you or just, there's just, can you overcome these things? The loss of a spouse through death or a child through death or uh, a parent. Um, there's so many things in this world that are, uh, you could say, are losses, but they don't have to control you. Grieving is important. God comes to us with comfort, as we read from Isaiah chapter 61. But he doesn't expect us to stay in despair. His comfort is to lift us, to see that the ultimate purposes of God will triumph. They are triumphing, and they will triumph. Your destiny is in God's hands. Well, I pray today this message has been a blessing to you. And whatever you're going through, in fact, would you pray with me right now? And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to follow what Jesus said in John chapter 1 that we just quoted, as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe in his name. All you have to do is believe and accept him as your Savior and Lord. Well, let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Uh, I thank you for the life of Jonah and what he went through and uh, how he teaches us today, how your word teaches us today through the life experiences of this man. And I pray, oh God, that in a world that is so filled with helplessness that people feel, the despair they feel, all of these things that can create so many negative effects in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you are here by your grace and your love and your power to lift us from anything that could hurt us or destroy us. And I pray that today every Christian listening to this message will feel encouraged, will feel the power, will feel the comfort, will feel the strength of your Holy Spirit in their lives. And for the person or persons who've yet to become a follower of uh, your follower, to become a Christian, I pray right now is a moment of decision, a moment for them to make that choice. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you want prayer, feel free to call the church. Feel free to get in touch with me personally or my wife or others in the church. We're happy to pray for you. Our church phone number is simply 755 1500. 755-1500. You can leave a message if there's no one there to answer the phone, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Well, God bless you, and thanks for being with me today.